Happy Monday. Welcome to Adam versus the man. Got a pretty exciting show lined up for you today with new camera equipment. And you can tell just how funny my hair looks this morning. All right. Welcome to the show. We've got Mental Health Monday. We've got co-host Joey Lee Jai, Mary Jane joining us in studio. We've got some excellent guests. We've got Normal speaking on Colorado HB 21-1317. Joey. Are you afraid of HB21-1317? More afraid than I am of COVID. (laughs) Are they still pulling this shit? What is going on? I thought in Colorado, Normal was like disbanded into a social club slash historical society. Like we would hope the Libertarian Party will be someday because we've achieved our goals and there's no need for this organization to exist. No, that's... That's not the case. Not the case. What are they trying to do in Colorado? You know, I'm, I'm really not that up to date on what's going on, but they are trying to take a big hit on <sighs> patient rights. I, I don't know if it's a THC cap, but some new regulation. Of course, they can't just let people smoke their weed in peace. Even in Colorado. Even in Colorado, the motherland of recreation. Supposedly. Weed. All right. Well, today we look forward to hearing from Ashley Weber and Julie Richards. Also, Martin Cowan joins us towards the end of the show he is running again for u.s house of representatives to represent georgia's district 13 someone i've i've gotten to meet and hung out with a couple times at lp state conventions in georgia and actually having him as a georgia normal activist following our colorado normal candidates today very very appropriate very so appropriate i like that word i want to like I've had exes make fun of me because they'll like a girlfriend ask me, Hey, how does this dress make me look? That is so appropriate for tonight. Like that looks good. <laughs> like hey, it's not appropriate. Does this, does this, does this dress make my butt look appropriate? No, it's just, it's been like this thing with, I've had with exes where I use the word appropriate and I mean, it is like in the nicest, like you look, you look like you look great for the evening. Like it's, it's very appropriate. Like to me, that's like, you look, for the, for the moment. You look right for the moment. Like, it's supposed to be like right? appropriate. Like, like, like and, and women, but women, oh, that's appropriate. Yeah, like what you were saying. But the, the common usage of the word appropriate in referring to attire is not inappropriate, not extremely appropriate or so appropriate or wonderfully appropriate, but that's, or or even tantalizingly appropriate. Uh, but I, 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 I like like because you can use the word appropriate both ways, totally legitimately, and really with the same. I'll, it's Monday. I'm starting with definitions. Right? No, <laughs> even with the same definition of appropriate, you can use appropriate. Yes, that is appropriate. That is righteous. That is in its place in the universe. In my world, that is appropriate. You look beautiful, darling. <laughs> you know, right? And then it's like, oh, it's appropriate. Because it's not inappropriate. I don't is your because because more more often it's is that really appropriate, young lady? <laughs> I think I think my exes have been used to hearing that more than men going, "Yeah, baby, that is so appropriate." <laughs> I got this like Eric Clapton thing, my darling. You look so. <laughs> I don't know if it would work. I don't know if it would work. 
sing my own version. I can't because I'm laughing too hard. What a way to start the Monday show. We do have a lot of headlines. We got a big COVID blog. We are going to get into, uh, oh, geez, we got January 6th insurrection FBI files. We got Biden's attempt to crack down on domestic extremists, blah, 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 blah. Great guests, a lot of links. And with that, executive producer Jim Freedom. I think I'm putting my hair back. Good up. morning. I'm What's going on? on? Welcome to the show, everybody. Adam's doing his hair to make himself nice and pretty for you. While he does that, you can join us at t.me forward slash Adam versus the man. It's a Telegram channel, public, open, available to everybody. We post all kinds of notes that is going on with the show and the links that every article we talk about on the show are in there. So definitely get yourself connected to the Telegram t.me forward slash Adam versus the man. We also have a private Telegram and we also have a Patreon, which is where you can buy access to said private telegram. One, five, ten, and fifty dollars a month of the different levels to support the show via Patreon. Ten dollars a month is the sweet spot that'll get you access to the private producers club. Uh, it's an awesome time. We all love that producers club and it keeps growing. So keep it growing, keep supporting us through patreon.com forward slash Adam versus the man. Next, we got the crypto6.com. Great website that'll uh, educate you on everything that's going on with the Bitcoin church that was raided up in Keene, New Hampshire. Uh, people are still in cages. You can use this link on this website to write to them and keep them company. Let them know you're supporting them. Let them know you, uh, you believe in their cause. You got QR codes here. You can donate different cryptocurrencies to their legal funds and situations to try to help them out that way. So that's definitely uh, worth taking advantage of and looking at. Instagram at the Garden of Freedom is the handle. You can see all kinds of cool pictures and videos of life up there in Gardenia, everything that's going on, all the all the fur babies and beautiful sunsets and artistic shots of everyone. Instagram at the Garden of Freedom is a great website, great uh, great destination for visual pleasure of the eyes, videos and pictures. Lastly, GoGreenEnergyOnline.com, best website on the internet. For people that are looking to do it themselves and want to learn more about solar power, micro wind power, and zero energy homes. So if you have an interest in this and you want to get your home self-sustaining and off the official grid, GoGreenEnergyOnline.com is the best do-it-yourself website for you. So definitely give that a check out. And enjoy the show, everybody. All right. Thank you, Jim. And for some reason now, StreamYard is freezing in this browser. But I'm back. I'm back. I hope you guys like this front-facing camera now. Is it? The is details it, are incredible. Is it? Is it? It's like, wait, no, no. Can I wipe? There's this spot in the middle. Oh, it's shit. All right. Um, so we've been censored again lately, and ah, oh, gosh, I need I need preemptive COVID vitamins Ew. for this. Uh, by the way, look at my hair. My hair is so much more appropriate. Professional man bun. Professional. It's not bun yet. Top knot. It'll grow into a bun and i didn't know this that like as i was growing my hair out i could do samurai top knot for a while like holy shit that's a thing i might just keep it this length i might like you know like the samurais have like super neat at the end of the ponytail i might cut my ponytail so that it's like nice edge right there on top when i put it up in the exact right position every single day like a disciplined samurai awesome. um but it's it's more this is more, it's it's weirdly, like, as when I do the ponytail in the back, it's too short to look neat. When I do the ponytail in the back, I get, like, wild hairs all over the place right now. I do the top ponytail, and it looks neater, 
but it also makes me look like a wannabe samurai, right? Like it's the wannabe samurai. Po- no, <laughs> strike a pose. Uh, anyway, it goes. It, it offsets the beard, but th- because it's neat, this is more professional than than just crazy random hair. Joy, why aren't you on screen yet? Oh, I, I, I'm going to add on to, to hide my face. <laughs> just to make it off. Like, well, we, well, Joey, as CEO of Adam versus the man, also has something to raise with censorship about getting censored again. And I just got to say, I would rather be telling the truth and censored than lying and not. You know, it's... I, it's it, 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 I, I, it's something that comes up at times like these as a weird existential struggle. And it's not, I am never tempted to not tell the truth. But I have been tempted to tell different truths, right? And if you, I mean, was it uh, the, whose channel? Someone else I'm quoting, uh, probably misquoting. The truth is extreme. To make it moderate is to lie yeah. and i have been tempted to tell different truths never never to really escape the core truth of the nature of government and ethics and humanity truths the uh the truthiness of these subjects <laughs> i have i have never uh been tempted to lie but uh, i've been tempted a lot to change formats and i've been tempted a lot to uh to address different subjects, or more importantly, stay away from certain subjects. And uh, there's, there's, there are a few that are really, really sensitive out there. And it's like, like right now, like historically, there have always been some. I mean, maybe one of the big ones was uh, was Holocaust revisionism because they call it denialism. If you're denying the Holocaust, that's because you hate the Jews, even if you is one or half of one. I guess I am. Well, no, my mom's Jewish. That makes me Jewish, right? Half Jewish, half German, but you know, like I don't. And to to not be an historical revisionist. Oh yes, when we wrote the history down the first time, we got it all correct. Are you fucking kidding me? That's a really weird conspiracy theory. Um, implausible and re revise all sorts of things. Um, so to look at modern history and how we've been lied to by government is is pretty important to keep in mind. I mean. Wait a second, Gulf of Tonkin was a false flag. That must be well. Yeah, that's pretty commonly mainstream accepted historical revisionism and and now it's it's in the present and and what we're experiencing now uh is a, a distinct period of heightened censorship is it yeah i mean I, i'm thinking back to you know the dark ages historically like, I, speaking historically, no historically speaking we live in a period of great freedom of speech but I would point out within the within the general trend of history. So Joey, thank you for reminding us of this longer timeline of progress. We two, we, steps you know, two steps forward, one step backwards as we climb there. a mountain. Yeah. And we have taken a major step backwards around COVID. I would say even before that, the internet was like we we sprinted up a section of the hill with the internet right but then government came onto the internet and since then we've been in a major step backwards and this last step backwards is a stumbling on our ass and we're only you know 
a third of the way down, maybe. If you, if you think of this, does this metaphor still hold water? Let's see. You're running up the hill. We are, humanity is, is I think humanity is on a steady march. Maybe it's exponential, right? But a steady march up a hill and the top. I may not get there with you, but I have seen the promised land of freedom of speech. <laughs> I have seen the promised land where we don't give in to corporate censors or government censors and individuals who want to control the conversation to censor their own inputs, which is legitimate censorship as opposed to illegitimate censorship. People will be empowered to censor for themselves, to control their information flow for themselves like never before. Mercedes Leap, I got shit down. I shut down so hard to tell the truth about COVID and now I'm being validated. Yeah, no, this is it is a fun part of the Adam versus the Man story. A year ago, a year ago, we got a strike on YouTube for contradict no for questioning. Can I, this all happened yesterday. No, no, but this is from a year and a half. Well, let me go back to it because we're we were vindicated a week later. I said something about distancing policies or mass policies and the spread of COVID, and the CDC came out. Well, I got I got a strike on YouTube for questioning the CDC, and then that and that was that was Thursday, and then Friday we got the strike, and then Saturday the CDC changed their position to be in line with mine, and you're like. And then took you know, and I don't get I don't I don't get compensated for that. So YouTube doesn't give a fuck. YouTube is happy to be a tool of the establishment. And I I I want I I generally give even the, the evil corporations the benefit of the doubt. The market has created these wonderful entities as companies that grow up of people coming together with the cutting edge technology and ideas and thoughts and dreams and plans to pool resources to create new goods and services that people want to consume and they get a certain size and then government takes over. That's corporatism. It's not the free market perverted. It's, it's the free market taken over by government. And it happened again. This time, this would kill me because they were, okay, so one of the videos was from August, April, April of 2020 when you had Dr. Mary Rupert on. And you just had her on, what, two weeks ago? Both of these videos got flagged for misinformation. Both of them we disputed. One of them was restored and the other was not. All in one fail swoop. Same, no, like notification, notification, approved, not approved. And same guest, same topic, same general understanding of, of, of COVID. You get, you're just presenting facts there was no crazy radical opinionated and even if there were it's in a crazy radical opinionated thing so it's almost as if youtube is telling people that not only can they uh not choose what they can say they can't choose what they can think either Seems Jim like what's really funny is that i stream this on my tube youtube and i get no strikes yeah Where's the house? And this I wonder because like I have been doing this for so long and I've I've seen my own numbers and my own audience grow organically and then be suppressed and then destroyed and rebuild. And I've rebuilt from scratch half a dozen times. And then you see like new people coming up and it's like, wait a second, I used to get numbers like that. 
And you go, wait, you're the one. Okay, so you're the ones the the the, the system is letting. I don't say the establishment. I don't know how conscientious this is. The system is letting grow because they don't let us grow. And they, I see this happen to others. There's, there's sort of like with 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 libertarian content creators. If you're true to libertarian principles and and consistent and and intellectually, you have an intellectual integrity as you try to look at the world through the libertarian message then there's a limit to how big you can get before you start getting seriously fucked with. And I've been like, I think I hit that limit and I've been like cruising underneath it, you know, and trying to break out yeah. for, for, I don't know how many years. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's shadow banning. And, and it's very deliberate towards libertarians at this point. We can say that much. And the goat patrol chimes in religion of the future is now corporation. I feel that people are worshiping the dollar and the corporate entity instead of deity. Well, that that should you know? be today's comment con, 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 the comment contest. Unless you have a really good weed one, no, we my, have kind of a weed thing. Appropriate. Story. <laughs> Mine was going to be best way to tell your girl she looks appropriate. <laughs> she looks appropriate. Well, I, I think perhaps a better one is uh, what do you worship? What, yeah. is, what is your true religion? Like um, and, and, and I mean this not in what do you actually believe, but what do you actually worship? Like, what is your religion in practice? What is what is and what is America's religion? Because libertarians will point this out. And a lot of libertarians, as we question the institution of government institutions, we also question the institutions of religion. And it's it's very interesting to watch. Like, you know, the spiritual evolution of libertarians, because I've gone through a pretty interesting one myself. And I've seen I've seen and heard enough to notice the patterns. And it starts with, well, I've questioned government. Yeah, these you know, like Game of Thrones. Karen Ann would appreciate this reference. It's like Ooh, King King. Oh, what's the name of the king that commits suicide? But Joffrey. No, he gets Joffrey's murdered. Brother? Yeah. The one the one, the, the after that. Yeah. Yeah, the one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. The one who walks off the edge of the castle. Um, I forget his name. He had some fun. Anyway, the two pillars that hold up the world are the crown and the cross, or was government and religion. Yeah. I forget it, but he, he made a dramatic speech from the steps of the church in in the town, uh, in the city of Westeros. Um no, what's the name? Man, I'm not I'm like it's been too long. I'm fucking up on my game of thrones. I still haven't seen the last But it's it's <laughs> it's the speech where he where he says the two pillars that hold up the world. He says the world are government and religion. It's and true. he's talking about the, the cross and the crown. But before there was government, religion was government. And they do work right. hand in hand, but you might say that now government run, banking run corporations take i mean what do do they hold up the world no they maintain the perversion of society is what they do right because excuse me at least in, in the in the time when they said it was government and religion a cross and crown that held up the world excuse me uh the re religion was not a means of serving people of giving them access to religious services or connection with God or spiritual enlightenment or like the good things that come out of religion, right? It was to bully them into control through fear and social manipulation to be obedient, not just to the church, but 
to the crown and they worked hand in hand that way. And the crown was not some benign service of social organization like people pretend that government is today. People didn't even pretend that it was back then. It was, well, they did pretend. They started to pretend because it made it easier to pacify their victims because that's what they were. They were the conquered, the vanquished. And how did you become a king? By murdering effectively. Are you good at murder? Good. You get to be king. That's it. Or you're born into it. And then you're good at maintaining the racket based on murder. You probably still have to be pretty good at murdering to stay king, right? At least, at least back back in the day, as I, as I remember it. So now, has that have those pillars expanded to include corporatism, the dollar, modern money, perhaps? D. Vincent W. You cannot legislate religion requires forcing people to comply leads to genocide. Another inquisition. Yeah. Speaking of inquisition, the uh, Libertarian Party inquisition is ongoing yes. over the weekend. Wait, back to the comic yeah. contest before we move on. What, what do, you do you worship? What does America what? worship? What does because America you would say because because it's it's um like like I, I I believe that the average American Christian believes in Christianity. But they're really shitty Christians when you go, well, what is that? Do you live up to that belief? Because if you look at who you worship, who do you actually tithe to? Who do you actually put time in with? Who do you give your attention to? And you go, well, no, you worship the tax man or, or you, you worship government. You tithe to the tax man and uh, you, you worship football and corporations and, and, and consumerism like and, and the television. You say the tell well, it's not the television. Yeah, football. in a sense, it's the television. Yeah. It's sports. Yeah. Yeah. So There's so many, so many things. Uh, Jacob Vanderplas says America worships conflict. The, Ooh. Ugh, Jacob, I like that makes me gives me the icks, but you're um not that far off from from what we see. There, I mean, but America, the people, or America, the government, like. America, the government definitely worships conflict. I don't think the people. The government really doesn't it. worship. The government is a tool. It is not a continuous entity. But when you say worships conflict, no, it's the people. It's the bread and circuses. Because remember, bread and circuses. Back in Roman times, what was circus? What were circuses? The the coliseums, the the gladiator fights, where people were. Quite getting death. mauled by animals. Yes. That's fun. Let's go. Let's go watch somebody get mauled by animals this weekend. Yeah. Let's get the kids. Now, you know, I, I I wonder if if historians would criticize movies like Gladiator that portray a glorified vision of what happens in the arena. It's tough, strong men with good weapons and protective armor and impressive-looking shields. And lions that are ready, to, and they they have bloody battles with chariots, and and then at the end the crowd cheers, and the emperor gives a thumb, and you have this like it, it's um, almost a comical, uh, a caricaturized version of what I suspect the reality was of being a lot uglier and nittier and grittier, and it's slaves. Who who went out to, to I, get I eaten think, by the lions and fight the lions? It was a mixture of slaves and like voluntary warriors. I took a lot of Greek yeah. in history in high school. It's been a while, but I mean, extensive all four years I was diving into Greek and Roman history. Were people getting drunk in the stands? Uh, yeah, of course. People were getting drunk everywhere. They woke up and they drank. The water wasn't great. The alcohol wouldn't kill you. The water might kill you. 
Yeah, that's right, where right. The, that's where the, so, the but it was a weird but, orgy I mean, of violence, and it was a lot grosser than this iconic gladiators. Like whatever. It's the same thing today. Why do you want to be a football player? Like, you want to go get hit in the head forever and screwed? I mean, hold on, that's a bad. That's a bad. I was gonna say people don't mean, die playing football, and then you go, well, if you are you killed by football if you die of a concussion-based concussion disorder at age forty because you played football from play fourteen to thirty? Like, <laughs> okay, so your, in terms of the your day, family will be taken care of after your death. Put it in terms of the modern day soldier. <laughs> I think that's what the gladiator was. Yeah. And if there yeah. wasn't more going on, they had to stay fit, right? Um, I think a lot of people wanted to be in that position. It's disgusting. As it sounds. Well, I, I appreciate the comment of worshiping conflict because conflict, it's like if it bleeds, it leads. And there is something this that, that might actually strike to the core of the perversion of society. Um, you know, like I'm reminded of the John Lennon quote again. I need to have sex in public more often. That's not the quote. The quote is, uh, why is it that we are comfortable or why is it that society endorses killing people in public and bragging about war and yet we have to make love in secret, right? Um, 1054 is a single world. America worships theater. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be reduced to a single word, but yeah, theater sort of is, is with this. But theater can be um conflict or not right i mean yes inherently in any good story there's a story arc there's conflict um but a story a, a theater can can be anti-war anti-conflict can promote love and connectedness um i mean i guess that's why i boycott hollywood because most of their movies movies don't do that right that's one reason wait what did you want to read that comment for moose girl yeah moose girl's two-part um on youtube says america worships racism and violence and sexism she goes on to say to keep us divided so i feel like that america moose girl's talking about is the american people that are covered sure sure yeah, yeah. And part of this is like what do you worship too like in a healthy way like i, I, I want to think like what oh, oh but i want to address that comment first i want to address that comment first. so like does america worship racism no we have a weird complex relationship with racism but we're past worshiping it uh, you want to make the case i'm open to hearing it but it's like the same thing with with sexism we don't worship it it's like a weird thing that's there like what do we give our time and money and attention to you know, and, and conflict is an analysis that says, like, yes, why do we give money to government to protect from conflict? Or, you know, why do we watch sports? Why do we pay for pay-per-view? It's a worship of conflict. It's not a worship of racism or sexism. What was her third one? Corporatism? Um, or? Racism, sexism, and violence. Yeah, so you um, say worship violence, like there's an attention paid to and a celebration of violence. That could be said to be worship. And I, I disagree. I don't think I don't think violence is one of the big ones. No. But I'm open to being convinced. Well, I like your analysis, but but racism and sexism, I see them are not worshipped. To watch big men run into each other real hard and be violent in boxing. So I would say, so yeah, yeah, violence. We still do. But that's not racism and sexism. No, violence. Because, but, no, but let's think about this. Let me devil's advocate myself here. Like, can I say that we worship racism? That like when racism comes up, we look at it and go, yay, race. No. There's none of that sexism. I mean, well, no, because you say covertly, because like, are are sports racist? Are pol is politics racist? Yeah, subtly. Are we draw? But that's not really. 
you can say Trump Trump supporters, some of them are maybe covertly worshiping racism that they're they projected onto Trump because of the xenophobia. But that's as far as I can figure out going with that. Sexism. Now, sexism in a deeper way could be more uh, pervasive. Do we worship sexism? Maybe in a if you say see sexism in a healthy way, right? Like we worship men being strong men, we worship women being strong women to the extent that it's just we're worshiping discriminatory or toxic masculinity or toxic femininity. You could say it's worshiping sexism, but it's, uh, I'm already at like, eh. yeah. all right. Uh, Vicky? Uh, Vicky circles. I mean, that's kind of brings all of Moose Girl's comments together. It's if America does worship violence, sexism and racism, then it's because they're worshiping the establishment. OK, but it's, so. So, yeah, no, I would I would only change the wording with Vicky slightly to, to, to make it slightly more on point, Vicky. But that's a great insight because it's all it's authority. It, right. America has a problem worshiping authority and not being able to separate legitimate authority from uh false authority and 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 understand that no authority deserves to really be worshipped right i think of like legitimate authority like i would hope that adam kokesh has some legitimate authority in the delivering the news every day enough to get you but all my authority is you should listen to me for two hours a day five days a week and be informed and have a good time with it right um that's like a legitimate authority but if i say you know, if you don't listen to me, you're a bad person and, and my listeners should force you to be a part of our audience. And and then you worship that because I'm I'm being authoritative or authoritarian, toxic authority. <clears throat> Who else does that? Oh, yeah. Government. Oh. Um, you know, that's that's a problem. And, and that's I think about the psychological studies. From uh, that I studied in, in undergrad, and one of them is the Milgram obedience studies. If you don't know it, look it up. And it's like if you get a guy wearing a white lab coat, yeah, he's more people are more likely to be obedient and zap participants. Like it's it's a I it takes too long to explain the whole thing right now, but it shows that people are willing to be more obedient when authority represents itself in. Uh, in a lab coat, and that's all it takes. Jim Freed America worships itself. Yeah, yeah. There's a salt. There's an ego. They well, I would. It's Jim. I. That's a great insight. I would go further and say, America worships the false ideal okay. of America. The greatest is, country in the world. What What was the opening scene? The speech from House of Cards. Is that was it? Great speech starts off oh, America's the greatest country in the world I will tell you why like, why it's not and this professor so yeah, there's, yeah, this whole yeah, thing, yeah, we yeah. are absent we, we have the highest prison population the highest poverty rates in a first world country the the and just he goes down the list and these students are just you see them like ugh, accepting the reality yeah. and, ugh, not no rejecting it yeah right as you say, its own self-righteousness. Sure, yeah, that's a part of the, that false ideal. All right, before we jump into our COVID block, before Joey goes, two, uh, two upfront stories here today from the Associated Press. Jesus Christ, now that we're 30 minutes into the show already. Yeah, that was a good, uh, <clears throat> good opening ramble. Very good discussion. Pandemic-delayed surgeries share blame for blood shortage. Some New England hospitals are delaying or rescheduling surgeries because of a shortage of blood donations during the pandemic. And uh, this this is my pet cause. 
uh, blood donations and I am behind in it for myself uh, just because we haven't had the chance traveling. And it's like even someone like, like so I live remotely. It hasn't been that long. No, 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 no. I gave blood last December, so six months ago in California. And I wore a mask at a Vitalant Center in uh, Ventura, California to do that. Uh, but I tried to, I, they didn't want my double power red, which is what they, they their fancy term for people who can give a double dose of red blood cells. And it's a fun thing. They have, they have a needle coming out of your arm with three hoses and one pulls whole blood. And then it goes through a centrifuge and the other two inject back in uh, your plasma with saline or something. You can feel the cold like creeping into your heart and through your your veins it's really neat um but they were like no we need whole blood and this is actually a big deal this is a serious like adam's call to community service because uh covid has made it a pain in the ass even for someone like me like and the thing is i live remotely i don't have a local clinic the closest place i can go to give blood is at least an hour away and the places i prefer to give blood are two plus hours away in phoenix or three plus hours away in las vegas and uh, they're, they, they have been limited because they've been short-staffed, uh, short on volunteers because of COVID. And whether you like it or not, uh, a lot of the people who do mostly good things with their lives in the American society are still vulnerable to fear from government, as, as we have been at different times in our lives and even throughout COVID as well. We'll cover all the fear-mongering crises today with headlines. <coughs> but I would encourage you, especially now, if you can get out and give blood, please do it. Um, this is one of those things where it's like help the stupid people to wear a mask if you have to. Although I, I wonder if Arizona like now, I, now this really makes me really curious. Like I kind of want to go try to give blood at one of the places that I haven't yet in Prescott and see if they're. Um... See, Prescott is a, like the places are an hour away are Prescott and Flagstaff, and I think last time I checked might have been years ago they only have periodic blood drives. Um, they desperately need blood and blood platelets. Yes, Moose Girl 08 on YouTube. Thank you for weighing in, uh, supporting me on this. Um, this is a, a, a getting at this at, at, to the point of crisis. So, uh, if you can donate blood, if you can donate whatever body tissue you're qualified for, for I got the one of the things that's always motivated me is when I gave blood in college, they told me I had special blood for babies. Yeah. That that like most humans have a virus. Drinks, yeah, right. Yeah, no. <laughs> blood for babies, not from babies, oh, for oh, babies. babies. Okay. Yeah, so no, that that um most humans have a virus of some kind in their body that that like five percent of us don't have, and we're the only ones who can donate blood for babies That's when cool. babies need blood transfusions. Some of our babies. <laughs> thanks joey never never thought of it in those terms all right well so uh vitalant.org it's vital ant vital ant go to the vital ant website vitalant.org vitalant blood donation services um if they if they can't hook you up there are others i'm not a brand whore but uh i've had nothing but good experiences with vitalant um so check it out forbes.com I want to say uh, happy Juneteenth. Delayed two days to those because uh, I didn't get the same thing. Pretty busy day Saturday, unfortunately. And like Juneteenth, though, if you don't like Juneteenth, you're pro-slavery because Juneteenth is a celebration. And it's like, 
Uh, not exactly. And and as much as I'm like, yeah, Juneteenth, end of slavery in America, fucking awesome, great, yeah, like like yeah, they, like I'm more critical to human advancement than than uh, than anything in, in American history, probably, right? Um, and Juneteenth was is for June nineteenth when slaves in Texas uh, were were notified of their liberation. And with a stroke of his pen Thursday, Joe Biden signed legislation giving millions of federal employees Friday off to celebrate Saturday's new federal holiday, June. What? (laughs) Really? Really? Um, Yeah. No, no, no. The headline is, yeah, 44 paid days off each year. This makes 40, and it's like, wait, the, the holiday's on Saturday? Wait, how do they get, they're getting, wait, so you get Friday off? And 43 other days? Yeah, no, no, no yeah, okay, okay. 44 no, wait, wait, pages wait, 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 off, yeah, so annual. And for the end of slavery, them? we're also celebrating the end of regular employment. No, no. Um, 44 days off annually for the average federal employee. It happens. Nine Full weeks of paid time off each year. Where does that happen in the private sector? Does that does your job give you nine weeks paid vacation? I want a, I want a government job. My, like, like, government you can work, right? Like make, you've got to work right, like two years job. to get your first week's worth of vacation, right? Then you have to work another year to get two, and it caps at like and it's like a use it or lose it thing and then like they're so stingy around their vacation time any private sector job it's four know, weeks the norm nine weeks i i don't think four weeks four is weeks the norm at all unless you've been with a company so for five years Jim, it depends on the executive level in the private sector. executives totally no and i understand for executives like if a company says hey we want you to come in and retool our sales and you you're only going to work one week a month because that's like you're that valuable at this executive level maybe that's something else but like as a line worker you know what what is the average paid time off per year um yeah, what you, how many in the comments what what's your what's your boss give you time off what's your what's your allowance per year and uh, oh, and how long did you it. have to work to earn it? Because, you know, I don't know. Hey, good news. Is, is your live uh, on Switch. 5G mind control interface the same password? It is. It is indeed. All right. Let's see if I can get on there. But yeah, what does Google say if you just ask, uh, what is the average paid time of part, you know, paid time off, paid time off of Americans? 10 10 days off is the average number of pay time off for private sector employees who have completed one year of service for BLS. It's actually 9.7 days. They rounded up. Does that include sick days or paid holidays? What are paid holidays? How, how many paid holidays? But paid days off. But yeah, retail, they just ignore federal holidays. Like everything in retail and manufacturing, right? Not Maybe not some manufacturing. 
Um, it's uh, what's the average? Ten days is the average pay time off for those who have done a year at their job already. Uh, yeah, a lot of variety, of course, and that's good that it's not like super standardized, but it should be competitive. Ed says, uh, add six weeks for pregnancy. Oh, no. You, you know, is it six weeks? That's not enough. I just... That's with government jobs. Oh. Okay. Yeah, they don't... But see, I so this thing about um, pregnancy, if I may, quick sidebar rant, uh, you know, with pregnancy and employment, a, an employer should be able to discriminate against employees if one of them says hey by the way i'm planning on taking six months off next year to do this thing with my body sure but you have a right to do it but the, like it doesn't mean it's out there they have to hold your job there's a there's a you shouldn't be forced to do that the no. expectation of the employer to create that special accommodation without prior agreement or it's like you have a large workforce there should be a contractual contingency plan for if you get pregnant you know, based on the work, right? Like, yeah. if you're a crab boat fisherman, you should be allowed to be a crab boat fisherwoman. But if you get pregnant and you chose to get pregnant, sorry, you're fucking you. fired. Get the fuck off my boat. <laughs> like, you came out here with the commitment to work on this boat. You can't do it with a baby. Pregnancy is not compatible with this. And I will not accept the liability as a crab fisherboat captain. <laughs> as a crab fisherboat oh, captain. Jump like, all yeah. over that. Don't so the so so exactly so within the corporate world and the ability of government to insert itself with these standards, they haven't been able to create like a realistic policy and says, "Well, hey, go get that government job because they'll take care of you." Government has the nicest standards, the best paid time off, the most vacation days, and the best pregnancy leave. And with all that, okay, so we have two great guests. We're gonna have to do like a compressed mental health block in the in in between them. Um, but yeah, time time to jump in. Before we do, to the we're COVID live blog. on Twitch. We're live on Twitch. We're live on Twitch. Hello, Twitch. Say hi to Twitch. Do the do the gamers like this show? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> one of them does. <laughs> one of them does. Hi, <laughs> one guy on Twitch watching Adam versus the man on our experimental branch out hi. to escape. The censorship of Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. We've had a lot Thanks of for recommendations for Twitch in the true. comments over the weeks. So we did it, guys. It's there for you. Why? Go, go see it. Go Why? share. Subscribe, like, do the Twitch things. That's it. Twitch. Well, you know, I, I, I don't want to like bullshit the gamer community and say, "Oh, I'm a gamer," pretend to be like, "Oh, because I play two dots on my cell phone." You know, like, oh yeah. It'd be funny if I said Candy Crush. I play Candy Crush, so I'm a gamer. <laughs> like, no, no. Um, and I'm not. I, I don't pretend to say, like, that's not one of my indulgences. Like, to me, I have enough real-life games. I have enough stuff to play with around here in Gardenia. You know, check out our Instagram at the Garden of Freedom. Um, but no, like, I, I, I'm not a gamer. But, but I would think that I do share... One perhaps deeper uh, sort of rational skepticism with what I think is the core intellectual foundation of what I have noticed from my friends who are gamers in the gamer community, which is skepticism, quest yeah. questioning things, and and that the that this is like that same perspective which with which a lot of you look at 
a new gaming world or a new gaming challenge or a puzzle, you know, or a Rubik's cube someone tossed in your lap just to fuck with you, uh, you know, then I, I, that's how I look at government. That's how I look at the world. That's how I, how I look at statism. I mean, to me, you know, it's one big video game. We're all living in a simulation anyway, right? Don't be an NPC. <laughs> Don't be an NPC. That's the core of our message, really, at Adam versus the Man. Don't be an NPC. <clears throat> Ross Small, can we find uh, out why? Facebook. He wants to know why the FBI took Ed's smartphone. And uh, yeah. for everybody who didn't get that announcement, um, that is up part two on Patreon. Yeah, so, so you can so join Patreon. I got to get through this, dear. We got to get to some COVID stories before... Excuse me, before our guests. Um, but we don't know why. We know why they said, and it was because Ed was at the Capitol on January 6th. He doesn't deny having been there. What he has said is that he has no involvement with any of the actual criminal activity, nothing to hide. He said, yeah, take my cell phone. And if, if by the way, if the FBI knocks at your door with a warrant for your cell phone, you should resist verbally and legally to the greatest extent you're willing, but physically, no. They had the because right to in, hold that's, him down. That's and... the army saying, we're coming for your fucking cell phone. Give it up peacefully, please, so we don't end it, and you should. Which so that's okay, it's, it's at the right. It's, but yeah. that's what um, it really is. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, anyway, uh, we so th that's what they said. Why they said, And they said they were going to investigate and pull data off it and then bring it back. I'm still waiting for a call from them. I'm not really holding my breath uh, that the FBI is going to be nice and, and, and honest in this instance uh, for once. But uh, we'll see. They might. I wouldn't want to take it back, man. I'd be afraid that it Come on. Come on. I will it's already me. bugged. Come on. I know, Joey. but he's got, now he's got dirty. Ed's got, well, Ed's, Ed's got a new cell phone, so this will be his, his backup cell phone. Yeah, okay. No, we should put it in a case, like an isolation chamber. Like, Very like, put it in a no, no, put it in like a glass box on a pedestal. Here lies Ed's cell phone, <laughs> still with FBI fingerprints on it. I don't know. It makes you me. Get FBI fingerprints off it. it makes me wonder. Yeah, we get FBI. That's a good point. We could print the agents. Um, they'll wipe it for that. We'll wipe it for prints for so wash. Like before they hand it back, it'll be in a bag or something. It's like sterilized for COVID. Evidence COVID. to be returned into the wild or whatever they want to describe it as. Um, but it seemed like, I mean, they were talking, it seemed like they were asking me dumb questions about the Capitol as the excuse to come out here and talk to Ed and get his cell phone. And it, that might've in itself been an excuse to come out here to make it look like they care about Ed and not me or bigger goings on here. So, the Gardenia overreach museum. Good. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. All right, with that, COVID vitamins and misleading medical advice. <coughs> this is pure parody, not, not real misleading medical advice, please. Don't give us another strike, YouTube. Are we actually on YouTube? Oh, yeah, because we had one. So we're on YouTube. We had a strike and then a warning that appeal went through. So now I didn't even I feel like an idiot for not knowing this. But apparently with YouTube, it's like you get a warning and then a strike and then two strikes and then three strikes and your account is killed. 
and they pile up and then then and then they expire. But I, I thought it was like warnings were a different category, like a misdemeanor, and strikes were like felonies. And it turns out I was wrong. According to Joey, now it's a warning is like step one. A second, it, it, the offenses they don't categorize offenses. You pissed off the gods of YouTube. Uh, that's why we play that uh, that that little video thing before our COVID block and make sure that everybody knows that everything I say about anything that might get me censored is parody. We'll just put it like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. If you think I said something that triggered the censors, censors. It was just a parody. It was just a parody. This is joking. Just, just joking. All right. The sun.com. Oh, ship. That's the actual headline. Oh, ship. Celebrity Millennium 2 passengers on first, first fully vaccinated cruise in North America test positive for COVID. Wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me the vaccines don't work? Told you so. Parody. Parody, parody, I told you so. Uh, Bloomberg at MSN.com. First U.S. cruise in 15 months to set sail as restrictions ease. Yeah, okay. Guests lined up to board Royal Caribbean Cruises Limited's Freedom of the Seas on Sunday, marking the first cruise from a U.S. port since the pandemic suspended operations 15 months ago. Interesting follow-up there. Yeah. Uh, Next from The Hill, CDC to hold emergency meeting on heart inflammation after COVID vaccines. Yeah, one more thing to be afraid of. It's like they want you to be afraid of stuff. But um, I, I want, like, there are a couple ways, again, a couple ways you could go with this. And I don't, I think it's presumptive for someone like me to determine where this goes. It could be, oh, yes, the CDC is doing its, its great job of due diligence and above and beyond trying to find, you know, anomalies with vaccine side effects. Or it could be they're trying to make it look that way while covering serious shit up. We don't know yet. The Wall Street Journal, COVID-19 deaths this year have already eclipsed 2020's total. Yeah, this is this is really interesting. Just barely. And and this is uh, the subtitles, Wealthy Nations Vaccinate Growing ta- Death Tally underscores worsening divide between rich and poor, poor countries. But again, the death, to- like, so what, what this seems like to me is like we've got a sort of a course of how many People, they can say, died in the United States before we go, well, do you know anybody who died? Do you know anybody who died? Do you know anybody who died? No. Well, you know. Uh, and start questioning the numbers and going like, wait, flu's not a thing. Nobody died from flu this year? Hmm. Uh, so they're doing this thing now. The rest of it's it's sort of emanating out from first world countries overcounting COVID to now like all these third world, second, third world countries, you know, overcounting their COVID death counts. Like, oh my God, and they can keep citizens of the empire scared with graphs like that one, uh, big pink scary graph from the Wall Street Journal. More COVID, and and you go, wait, is this America? Well, we see so much that's Americentric. No, this is this is globally. You understand it. It's the uh, the ex- exportation of the statistics racket, just like we have exported the war racket and so many other things from the United States. Statnews.com as more kids go down the deep, dark tunnel of long COVID. Doctors still can't predict who is at risk. Now, I don't know that there aren't real long-haul COVID symptoms. I haven't looked into it decisively enough to do that. But I would bet money that when you look at the overall health experience of kids, teenagers in the United States, 
that long-haul COVID symptoms have replaced other psychosomatic issues that teenagers tend to face. And this is just one more thing they want you to be afraid of. Um, and they use the example. It, 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 this, the first paragraph really triggers me to think this way because they're trying to say that they, they, they're almost like preemptively trying to disprove my theory, which is like you doth protest too much. At 14 years old, Kate Dardis knows what pain feels like and how to work through it. An accomplished dimness, accustomed to training four hours a day. She has met a competitor this year that she can't beat with sheer exor with exercise or sheer willpower yet. And of course, they're talking about COVID. She can't beat COVID with, and it's like, because kids who are great athletes never have crazy psychosomatic things when they have weird abusive experiences. Come on. Everything's COVID. Blame COVID. So I don't know. I don't know. To what, it's sort of like chemtrails. I know it's happening. To what extent government is responsible, I don't know. But the fact that they're hiding leads me to believe it's got to at least be significant or they wouldn't be hiding it. And I don't know if it's it, how much of a deliberate a, a attempt is it to hide it, but I've yet to hear anyone in the medical establishment or mainstream media allow the narrative uh, to get out of a proper scientific assessment of how much psychosomatic uh, effects. Are, are are relevant in our COVID experience. Julian Griffith, long haulers equals hypochondriacs with a medical god complex. Yeah, I'm trying to be a little nicer about it than that. But yeah, okay. Uh, now, here's what you really need to be afraid of from CNN. CNN Health. Former White House advisor says dangerous coronavirus variant is like COVID on steroids. <gasps> On steroids, so you mean COVID will have greater muscle tone and smaller <laughs> testicles? Um, uh, is that what you meant? Oh, Cron.com uh, with a story from the Washington Post: Rates of anxiety and depression among college students continue to soar. Researchers say just one more thing in the cure being worse than the disease I told you so far. Reuters, how primates are aiding the fight against COVID-19 in Louisiana. Louisiana. Yeah, I say it like, like, like Jerry Reed. Louisiana. <laughs> now the folks around South Louisiana <laughs> said Amos was a hell of a man. He could trap the biggest bag of gator and just use one hand. That's all he got left because the alligator bit it. Okay, I'll stop. Yeah. Louisiana. Uh, no, but it, yeah, in Louisiana, Gee, they are. Stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's gone. Hey, if you have this, is this should be like the ultimate service with Adam versus the man. If you have a bad song stuck in your head, I will pretend to sing it, and it'll take care of that problem. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what are we doing? Of all the things we could be putting like medical research towards. Um, we're experimenting with monkeys in COVID. Also from Reuters, China disease experts says COVID-19 origins probe to shift to U.S. According to Global Times. Yeah, you did it. You did it. Yes, really? The, the, the uh, American Chinese finger pointing is, is pretty funny right now. L.A. Times at Yahoo.com. Some vaccine experts have second thoughts about rushing to inoculate kids. Oh, finally, finally acknowledging that. Now about the vaccine, how uh, and, and being ineffective, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I I really could have put this on uh, with the earlier stories about the vaccines. Mint LiveMint.com, UK virus search it, U.S. <coughs> excuse me, 
<clears throat> All right. I need more COVID vitamins. UK virus cases surge even as eight and 10 have received shots. Just for, for perspective here in the United States, only about half have uh, received vaccines uh, because we're not such bootlicking obedient suckers as they are in the UK. Our, our great forefathers left those obedient redcoats behind to create a free world where only half of the population are unthinking obedient bootlickers as opposed to 80% taking a vaccine that is uh, next to useless in the bigger picture. <clears throat> Rollcall.com. Senators ran out of patience on mask mandates for travelers. Buttigieg, remember Buttigieg, uh, gay mayor, former mayor of some town in Indianapolis, pretty successful uh, Democrat presidential nominee contender running against Biden. His console, his consolation prize was to be secretary of the Department of Transportation. And so that's why he's the one advocating for this. And it's make me important. That's not my gay voice. That's my Buttigieg bureaucrat voice. I need a title. Buttigieg cites justifications for keeping restrictions on air travel. Yeah. Because if I can't use this as an excuse, I'm not important anymore. Uh, Bloomberg quints COVID counts hit zero in U.S. hospitals once overrun by victims. Yeah, they ran out of psychosomatic uh, hypochondriac patients. The sun, heavier bleeding. And, and I, I told you we'd be coming back to this story. And, and, and here's. Uh, the best I got for now, where we're at with this, unfortunately, heavier bleeding vaccine watchdog closely monitoring 4,000 women reporting period problems after getting their jab. This is, this is supposed to be a problem with the shedding, too. This is from the shedding. Yeah, right. It's not. It might. And so, yeah, thank I you for reminding me, Joey. Headline, except for I didn't get the jab. The, the rumor that we're following here is that it, it, that is the sort of worst case possible scenario is that women who haven't gotten the vaccine have to be careful about being around women in particular or anyone who's gotten the vaccine because the viral setting of the proteins. This is hypothetical. And, and a lot of people will dismiss this as just absolute crazy conspiracy theory shit. And, and it might be at this point. I don't know. I'm just asking questions. No, but there's there's enough there's there's growing evidence. There's there's mainstream acknowledgement of blood clotting issues. And and the worst case scenario is that the viral shedding or the, the protein shedding is significant enough that uh, women who have wanted to protect their their reproductive systems from the vaccines, from potential toxins, from whatever else, and from COVID, and they want to they'd rather isolate. Um, now they can't be around people who have gotten the vaccine because they may be a threat, causing clotting issues and period-type issues. W women problems, guys. Just lady problems. Lady, <laughs> lady, lady, lady stuff. Lady, lady problems. Yeah, lady problems. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the, and then if that's the case, the worst side of this is that uh, women who have gotten the vaccine, no shit, uh, are going to have it worse. And so... Now, the vaccine watchdog is closely monitoring 4,000 women who have reported period problems after getting the co their COVID jab. A change in the menstrual cycle is not included on the list of potential side effects, but thousands of reports have been made, particularly among those aged 30 to 49. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, 
this reflects uh, a bigger problem, especially in the corrupt elements of the medical industry, where, as as some people say, and especially in medical research and development of new drugs, women are treated as men with hormones, and as opposed to a, a, a different biological entity that deserves completely different study and consideration. And so, I mean, when you're when you're worried about pushing a product that people don't need on them, like with the vaccine or so many other pharmaceutical bullshit uh, drugs, well, why give women their fair shake? Oh no, we tested it. Oh, oh, we we didn't tell you we tested this one only on men. <laughs> oh well, silly woman, uh, you're just a man with hormones. You're supposed to take these pills too. All right, I know our guests are waiting. We're an hour in. We're going to wrap up our COVID blog very quickly. Our studyfinds.org. Half of Americans fear they'll never recover from COVID pandemic stress. An emerging trend from AFP at Yahoo.com, downtown Chicago emerges from pandemic hobbled by crime wave, unsurprising. But to end our COVID block with some light at the end of the tunnel, Bills is in Buffalo Bills. This is from CBSSports.com. Bills Cole Beasley says he may retire over the NFL's new COVID restrictions for unvaccinated players. May? He may. <sighs> to start, let's uh, let's reach out to him with some love and support Absolutely. for everybody who is taking risks in their Babylonian roles as, as citizens of the empire to step away from this particularly destructive, dangerous racket. I hope you enjoyed our misleading medical advice today. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us today are two representatives of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws Colorado chapter to discuss an impending piece of legislation there, HB 21-1317. Is it scary if I, if I say HB 21-1317? Uh, first, Ashley Weber is president of Colorado Normal, a medical cannabis patient, a mother, uh, longtime activist, caregiver, advisor, friend to anyone seeking information through all things whole plant and hemp CBD. Now, uh, I, I think I think most cannabis activists would say, check, 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 check to most of those, right? I would hope. A uh, lot of mothers, uh, you know, at this point, yeah, uh, being motivated Mama to be, imbi- well, it, it's, it's not, it, I mean, it started with the mothers of the seizure kids in Texas going, you're going to make CBD illegal here and my kid's going to suffer like this as a result. Fuck you. But even with, with the compassionate nature of, of the divine motherly energy of like what what people like what is what do we need with cannabis as a movement aside from the final, you know, justice and decriminalization, de-escalation of the drug war and uh reparations for stoners and all that. Uh, no, but what what we need is is a is a loving motherly energy to get aggro dudes who are anti-pot to go, okay, I'll try it. I mean, I know that's a, that's a really gross simplification of a beautiful, deeper, complex, uh, very complex, uh, you know, social psychological dynamic. But I think a, a beautiful, important one 
that Ashley Weber is a great example of right now, owner of the Gila Hemp for full spectrum CBD products, started her own business utilizing her ability to help others. Also joining us, Julie Richardson, her VP, VP of Colorado Normal. And uh, I, I know that uh, Julie also has some impressive credentials. Julie, um, if there's, if there, or, or uh, Ashley, either of y'all, thank you for joining us this morning. If there's anything you'd like to add to your credentials before we get into this new legislation, please, the floor is yours. Well, Ashley, of course, she's the director and um, I've been an advocate my entire life. In fact, it's been my career um, advocating for education, housing, veterans rights, hospice rights, tribal recognitions, Katrina, Rita, Gustav and Ike and I'm often getting called back home. <laughs> but I've got a bigger hurricane going on here in Colorado. And now I serve as the marketing director, and I'm pretty active in all the different advocacy groups that are here as far as the patient groups go. And uh, in 2014, I was diagnosed with cancer, and I uh, felt like I had been reassigned. It was time for a different kind of fight. And so I loaded a U-Haul van and came out of here. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. Ashley, uh, anything we need to know on, on background or anything you want to say about the context of where we are with the drug war? I mean, it's, it's pretty exciting time, but we still, we still got to fight legislation. What's going on? Well, you know, I, I never really thought I was, um, going to be involved politically with, uh, with cannabis and in regards to cannabis, but I was injured when I was 18 due to a rollover car accident and I broke my neck and, it's put me as uh, a quadriplegic and I have found that cannabis has saved so, so much of my life and uh, stress that I would have been taken on with a lot of the pills and extra, extra pharmaceuticals that I would be on that I, um, I advocate for cannabis in regards to that. I never would have probably entered into the political field had I not been served by the um, housing authority for using my medical marijuana at my house, which was section eight. So it's a federal housing unit. I was sent a letter actually 10 days to the day of my accident. And uh, it was a knock on my door and it was an eviction notice to get out. And it was due to medical cannabis on federal grounds. So it took me a day to kind of wrap my head around what I was dealing with. But after thinking about it, I had a two-year-old son at that time. And I knew that it wasn't right. And many other people who were on, vet veterans who were on, uh, on disability, but also who also received Section 8 housing, were in the same position that I was in. So I wasn't the only one facing this. However, it just happened to show up at my doorstep. So I decided to take this challenge on because it wasn't right. So we wanted to right a wrong with 12 years of being medically legal here in Colorado. We decided to um, take this to court. And after a year and four months, we actually came out on top and a lot of unset court precedents a lot of people um, in that position so that's 
how I became politically involved in, in 2012. And now 10 years later, I've, or actually for 10 years, I've been the executive director of Colorado Normal now. And uh, so I've seen the many different legis pieces of legislation that's gone through our state that um, 1220 it affected the caregiver's rights. And now we are seeing 1317 and the way you said it with HB 12, 1317, that's the way to say it. <laughs> that's the way it was dropped. It was, um, we were actually uh, talking with the legislators and we were promised this, this language would not be heard this year. And this is something that we would bring back to the table next year. And that next week it dropped on a Friday without language online. So nobody knew what they were even looking at or what they were up against. So after we got a copy of the leaked language, we had one meeting with the Speaker of the House and uh, some, representat some other representatives who were on this bill. And then it was heard already on a Tuesday. And then it was heard again on a Thursday. It passed both those committees. We had a meeting with the bill drafters again on Friday and it went to appropriations on Monday where you can't testify. And they limited testimony for uh, for all the opposition and even well to two minutes, the first testimony and then uh, 30 minutes with a, a three minute testimony per person. So it just seemed like it was really pushed through the legislative uh, body very, very fast. It was dropped quickly and we have not heard hide or hair of the bill since we've asked for a veto from the governor. Um, I know after a bill legislatively passes and they gavel out and session is over, the governor has 10 days to veto a bill. If it was pushed through in session, um, after the last 10 days of session, he has 30 days to veto a bill. So we're still waiting to hear back from the governor's office and his team on how he feels about 1317. What is, why do people have this illusion that Colorado is all free and there's no more fight left there? I believe it was because we were the first to legalize and once people hear legalization, they feel that there's nothing more to accomplish. We've we've hit our um, goal. But when you're regulating, they forget that the house of, <laughs> I call the Colorado um, state capital a fire hydrant. It's, it's a golden dome. And each legislator has to come and mark their territory. So everybody's <laughs> going to come and mark their territory. And, and we're facing, like you said, the pandemic just brought up a lot of issues that not a lot of parents maybe were aware of and with the, the kids being home from school and the parents being home from their job they now saw their kids smoking high potency marijuana and it led to their mental illness jumping off an rtd station and killing themselves and we are very heartfelt and we we're very sympathetic to those mothers who had to go through that uh with their children but here in Colorado, and I know many of the other states aren't recommending cannabis for mental health issues, nor are is Colorado doing anything to help the mental 
health state of our youth in this in this whole state. So the the pandemic actually brought out a bunch of um, uh, parents who who now know their kids smoke pot and made a huge deal about it. And we saw what happened and they needed a target. And that target is has always been cannabis because it's an easy target. And Julie, what's your take on the uh, general struggle in Colorado right now? Oh, well, you know, to this bill, you know, there's money behind it. There, Blue Rising is one of the organizations that are, you know, pushing this through. And they had the money to hire the lobbyists and the people to go in there and to push, push, push. What we did is, you know, not just Colorado Normal, but all of the different um, patient groups and organizations that are fighting for uh, the cannabis plant. <clears throat> you know, we we did everything we could. We met on Zoom. We went up there, but not having the manpower that we should have. And, you know, this was like a dog with a bone trying to take it away from them. You know, it just... The way that they handled it was sneaky. They cannot say that we weren't engaged. They cannot say that. Um, because a lot of them were talking to us, you know, to our faces, but yet knowing the underhanded tactics they were going to be using. And, you know, even as horrific as this bill is, it's not going to achieve what they say it's supposed to do. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is not going to do that. Now, we are so concerned about our youth. We don't want our youth to be getting a hold of what I call medical-grade cannabis. Now, I'm fighting cancer. I have epilepsy. I just had surgery on my spine. You know, I'm taking tons of it, and I'm very thankful for it. But if this law passes, I'm not going to have the access that I need. And, you know, and that's a lot of patients, and they're going to have to turn back to the black market. And that's already happening. Um, but if you're dealing with an epilepsy patient that has to have the same consistency, the same amount, and, and very carefully distributed, um, if we don't have what a dispensary can offer, then we're going to get sick and not just have epilepsy, but we're going to have a lot of times there's going to be a lot of stomach issues. There's going to be headaches, you know, if we don't have what's been established for us. Now, the black market is also going to bring back all the explosions. One of our board members is an extraction expert, and he talks about making the RSO and the other uh products in a bomb-proof shelter and the extensive education he had to go through just to be able to do this in a safe manner. The guy that has a, a sick family member and wants to try it for himself is going to go to YouTube and not know what he's doing, follow some YouTube video and blow up his house. And I know about that firsthand. I have an ex-roommate from up here that did the same thing. And it's not who you think it is. These were two educated women. Middle class, you know, kind of, and they decided they wanted to give, you know, give it a hand to try to make it themselves and blew up their condominium. And the neighbors. And so that's coming back. So, you know, on top of it, not just being unconstitutional. 
at the start. And the way that they handled it was underhanded and didn't give us a voice at the table. That's not how this is supposed to work. They didn't even consult with any marijuana doctors in writing this. And, you know, so there's a lot of terminology in there that's going to be very, very dangerous for the doctors because there's no such thing as a prescription. They can recommend, but, the, you know, so it's just a, a big mess. And, you know, we're talking about less than 5% of the mar medical marijuana patients. And, you know, with that, I think the most important thing that needs to be understood is they had a lot of bad and misinformation. They're making it sound like once you get your medical card, you can just go into any dispensary you want and get anything you want. Well, that's not true. Ashley, you look like you had something you want to say about the doctor-patient relationship there. So, yeah, it's just a lot of misinformation, actually, in this bill. Um, this bill says it's going to, let's see, what are the possibilities of the governor vetoing this legislation? Um, can I answer that question? Would Please. You okay, so we have, we're, We've done everything that we can to try to get Governor Polis to veto. We have held um, a press conference at the Capitol. We pulled a permit on the last day of session, which was June 8th. And we had about 20 medical patients there. And they they spoke uh, about why they use it, why they need it, um, the amounts, how this, how this bill isn't what it's represented. The language in it, um, when you deep, when you dig down into it, isn't what is represented. So um, with the governor and in knowing what he has done for the medical marijuana community and extending the executive orders, allowing medical marijuana uh, doctors to recommend to their patients over telehealth, we were unable to get that codified this year. Mm -hmm. um, it, it failed in committee, but the alcohol one passed for another four years. So we're hoping Governor Polis is going to be on uh, the medical marijuana patient side, but not only that, but he had started the Cannabis Institute of um, in Pueblo, in Colorado. And this bill has a research portion of it that only allows one school, which is the Colorado Public of Health, to receive $1 million for three years to study studies that have already been published. Now, we already, can look through those already published studies and see that the gaps that are there have been regulatory framework on the federal government's part. So until the federal government changes their regulatory system, not even can NIDA or JAMA or um, any of the other scientific community actually do what they're supposed to do. Um, and if we are going to already uh, research studies that have been published, those are from NIDA and or from Anschutz. And we know that those studies were funded on the basis of showing negative outcomes in cannabis. NIDA is the National Institute for the Drug Abuse. So we know they're going to try to show some negative outcomes. Uh, so so fighting this and already researching research studies that are biased is completely uh, it, it, it's com it's completely already handing over a contract to a school without giving other places here in Colorado that have the, the ability and the opportunity 
to actually study this. So the research bill part is another misunderstanding. And then the youth diversion was what the main portion of this bill was for. Youth diversion was 18 to 20 year olds to where they're getting their medical marijuana card and going in and getting a whole bunch of concentrate and then selling this under, selling it to the underage kids. And then these kids are uh, going home and smoking them. They're 16, 17 years old and it's causing them to, to act crazy. And, and as far as their parents are concerned and they're having to go into rehab and, and, and such. Uh, and we're sympathetic to that fact. However, whenever we pull up the CDPHE's information and the data there of what the 18 to 20 year olds, we have, like Julie said, it's less than 5%. It's 4.8, which is 3,000 patients. And we already in Amendment 20 have penalties for those people who use the red card, uh, you know, not like they're supposed to. If they misuse the red card, they get their red card taken away for a year and there are penalties there. Therefore, why, are, why do we have this piece of legislation that's tracking 21 plus and it's not tracking the recreational side at all? Um, my One of my uh, diversion suggestions would be to put QR code on the bottom of each concentrate and link that QR code back to the store. So once these are found either in the school or at the parent's house, then they could snap it, see where it went, came from and where the diversion was coming from. Uh, instead, they want to track patients all the way from seven, well, um, if you're a pediatric patient, but from 17 to however old you are, and now you're tracked in real time. So if you go into a store, they're going to know exactly what time you bought it, where you were at, and uh, and now we have an initiative on our ballot coming in 2022 that is going to raise taxes for the recreational cannabis 5%, and a lot of our medical patients are recreational users because they can't carry a gun. You're a medical patient. Um, there's so many restrictions if you're a medical patient here in Colorado that recreational users are a lot of medical users and now they're 5% uh, going to be charged extra for, for their medicine. So yeah, it's all I, messed up. <laughs> yeah, I, I would just point out that I, I, I don't think any kind of mandated or forced tracking is the answer, but the fact that I'm, I'm with you on the core point that the fact that the idea of tracking could be used in a way to address the problem they're using as the excuse, but that's not how it's being used. It's just one more example of the hypocrisy that indicates ulterior motives and all of this. Also in studio co-hosting today is cannabis activist G.I. Mary Jane. Joey, do you have any questions for our guests? She's making all sorts of faces here and you guys talk like, you know, disgust, exasperation, uh, there, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of just like emotional shit in the cannabis community as a whole over this right now, and and a lot of it is just you're st like almost underpinned by a disbelief that the government, the establishment, uh, all of the the powers that be are still holding on to what they can 
of the cannabis prohibition racket and the extortion racket around it being a, a controlled substance to whatever degree they can tax the hell out of it. it, it it's like, really, didn't didn't we win this war? Isn't this no. the beginning of the middle of the end of the war on drugs? And it's like, no. Keep telling you. We no. still, like, yeah, no. we there's it, it's we won the debate. And now we have to push policy out of the way that's still like it's it's a it's a fucking grind of of seeking justice against the machine. It's the same it's sad. thing. I mean I'm I'm grateful. I mean I'm great I'm grateful for people like this and normal who are doing this. But man, if if the rest of the, the country that is behind you was paying attention, your job would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? Uh, you're telling me. And if the people that were behind this bill were actually up front and forward and actually brought everybody who was involved and who this bill actually affected to the table, we could have wrote a damn good piece of legislation for education, for parental support, because that's what it seemed like this this whole charade was. It was a bunch of parents that had kids who were underage using high-potency THC. This isn't for those people. So. Right. And, and they were also testifying that these kids were using alcohol and prescription drugs in with the cannabis. And, you know, that's a huge no-no. Um, hey, as as sure long as we don't make parents that. take responsibility for being shitty parents, I, then politicians will support the policy, right? You are right on the money right there. And that's one of the things that, you know, we have really tried to get going. We have fabulous medical professionals in the cannabis industry and some that have already written curriculum and have taught it in other states. You know, I tell people when they go, oh, we're going to move to Colorado. And I said, no, you're not. Don't know. Why don't you look at Oklahoma? Why don't I, you know, because they're legalizing, but they're doing it with better bills. You know, we were wanting to work on um, taking out cannabis testing for employment this year and adding to it. But this was brought on so underhandedly that we had to drop what we were working on just to play defense on this bill and you are absolutely right the patients are in absolute terror is the best way to put it one of our favorite moms is michelle uh walker and she at the press conference she said i will be trading jailhouse orange for funeral black to change to save my son's life and she is absolutely correct. Her son has autism, but he also has epilepsy. And that's exactly what's happening. And they're going, where are we going? How can we get out of Colorado? Who's going to help us do this? And so what they're, they're just causing another problem. Um, Joy, do you have any other questions for our guests? I, I saw you pop some up in the comments there. Um, as far as you were, as far as you were mentioning with the other states, I feel like if the other states pay attention, because Colorado was the first to legalize, and I think that's why they're playing here in Colorado first. The first bill to drop, I just wanted to let since the first bill to drop was a 15% cap potency on yeah. both flour and concentrates, and we were able to break that um, out and get it away. 
but also to um, they wanted to package a gram of concentrate into tenths. So they were going to add more packaging into the already added packaging that we have. Oh my gosh! If we we did get that put out of the bill too, so. Um, however, industry was a big part of helping get what they didn't like out of the bill that would affect them on their end and kind of forgot about us medical patients, which that's another topic to get into. Um, so if, if I may get to this comment on screen here, there are a lot of people in our audience who are would describe themselves as localists one way or another, that we want government power as local as possible down to the community. Mm -hmm. and, and and cannabis has been, the, the, the story of cannabis legalization so far has been a great example, <clears throat> excuse me, of local governments, state governments in particular, being able to say, screw you to the central government, we don't need you. So yeah, as Mike Freeman says, what about going to the counties and getting sanctuary status? I would just rephrase it more broadly. Um, it, what do we have to look forward to with this bill or with other legislation that counties are going to say, screw you to corrupt state laws? Well, the good thing is, is that Colorado does run off the local municipality status. Um, but this piece of legislation in particular doesn't just <laughs> allow local municipalities to have much of a say due to uh, the the medical marijuana dispensary is being so spread out throughout the the state of Colorado. Some some patients have to drive four to five hours to their nearest medical marijuana because their local municipality city council hasn't allowed for dispensaries to be in their town yet. So this is where a lot of people are going, and I always push, this is where it starts advocacy on a local level, because once you can start with your city council members and changing the way things are there, if you can get your town right, the state laws can be a go around. There can be, you know, you can go around there. Um, can they grow their own? So in, in Colorado, yes, you can grow your own. Yeah, constitutionally, you have the right to grow six. If you have a card and are a medical marijuana patient, you have the right. Uh, however, we have seen confusion, and that's what lies within the local and the state differences, is when a state passes a law like they did in 1220 limiting the caregiver's to a 28 plant count. Now we've got local municipalities that have exempted both caregivers and medical patients. So they're able to grow up to their 38 plant, plant count, 44, 55, however many they need. But the law enforcement are uneducated in the new laws of the local municipality that they follow the state laws. And this causes many confusions it's caused patients to get raided by um, uh, many law enforcement here in Colorado, and a lot of that happens on the, the southern end in Colorado. All right. Joey, any, any other questions that we didn't get to? Any other comments? Um, no, that's that's it. I, I have to imagine that um, the audience is kind of in shock. You know, Colorado, it's, it's legal there. Jillian Ripple says that she's leaving Cali for Oklahoma. 
I guess around the weed laws, as she was saying, a lot of people are leaving Colorado and she go to go to Oklahoma. But Oklahoma, Oklahoma's prohibition territory. No, they just quite... opened up. They just legalized. They they have a Bullet. fresh market. It really? is it's you know a little bit of green rush territory over there right now. I would have to assume. Um, but no, it's it's a shame. I just thanks Ashley for what you do. I, I'm a Colorado patient myself, and you know living here in Arizona. When I found out that the, the regulations were so more strict if I got my medical card than if I were a medical patient, I forget what it was. I was only allowed to get four ounces a month, but as a recreational patient or a recreational buyer, I could get an ounce a day, like unlimited. I could come to the dispensary every day if I wanted to and get an ounce, but as a medical patient, they cut me off four ounces, which yeah, it, it, once I realized I'm like, okay, not just, we're good. It's okay. Um, but for me, as as a mom in a custody battle, I need that medical card because I've got a custody court trying to tell me that my use is, you know, habitual and dangerous, and I need this this card to back that up. Um, so it's it's frustrating. There's a lot of people in that situation, and you know, it's crazy. How about we just let people, you know, grow and smoke weed like they want, and there's no money to be made in that. That's a crazy idea. It's pretty simple to me. All right, uh, <laughs> Julie, Ashley, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Any final thoughts? Uh, I guess my final thoughts would be for uh, congratulations to the other states, so, you know, like Oklahoma, um, because, you know, they, they you can have a gun and a cannabis license there. Uh, and also South Dakota, they just legalized, and they opened up and, and kudos to them. They allow their medical patients to get three ounces and have three ounces on them. This year, we, we passed a bill for two ounces. So Colorado is not in the lead anymore. And I, um, it's it's not because of, of us. It's it's our policymakers and and not not giving us a say. And we need to be sure that just because your state's legalized you cannot stop the advocacy work you cannot stop on a local level you cannot um vol quit volunteering and and keeping up what you did in the past because if if you don't somebody else is going to come behind you and and just take the rug out from under whatever you you just did so awesome and we have uh Oppose HB 211317, hosted by Colorado Thank you so much, Jim, for getting that on screen. Um, anything you want to say about that website or what people can do to help here? Yes, you can go to that website and you can write an action alert and then to HB 1317. And you can also sign up to volunteer, uh, become a sponsor, and uh, note that we have our chapter meetings every second Tuesday of the month and we send out a newsletter every last Monday and we we could use anybody and and everybody really we're a voice awesome. a voice for the for the cannabis consumption so all around awesome thank you so much Ashley yes thank you all right and we're just in time to get to our next guest ladies and gentlemen Martin Cohen is a candidate for U.S. House of Representatives to represent Georgia's 13th district running as a libertarian, someone I've had the honor of meeting in person several times and to interview once even for man on the street format, Adam versus the man. Um, always someone who's been just, there's something about your, your intellectual certainty, sir, 
that is a service to our cause. So I appreciate your attitude. I appreciate your messaging. I appreciate your commitment to the party. Um, and anything we should know about your background before you get into telling us about this run you're embroiled in? Well, I'm a, I'm a lawyer. I've been a lawyer for 46 years. I um, have been a member of the uh, Libertarian Party. My first involvement was in 1972 when I attended the uh, state of Georgia, the first uh, uh, convention of the Libertarian Party of Georgia in Georgia. So I've been involved in the Libertarian Party for 50 years. I've been studying freedom for 50 years. And so while um, I like to, I, you know, I, I tend to be modest, but I, I do think I know something about the subject of freedom with that uh, base of study. I'm a, a lifetime member of the National Libertarian Party, and I'm, I've been very interested in our, you know, turmoil this week on the national the, level. Oh, that, oh, that, well, sh I, I meant campaign you're embroiled in as a libertarian running for Congress. Maybe embroiled is too libertarian a way of looking at it. Did you have anything you want to say about uh, national issues facing our party right now? Well, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of Carol Ann Car Harlow. She's, uh, she's, a, she's a firebrand. She's great. She's vivid. Uh, we need her. We need somebody with so much energy in the party. And uh, I, I totally support her. And I look forward to uh, uh, reelecting her secretary in Reno next year. Uh, and I hope they don't remove her, which is, uh, you know, th that motion is pending. But uh, those people who are against Carol Ann are, 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 are going to be history in Reno. I'm almost 100 percent sure they'll be unelected. Yes, yes no, I'm, I'm with you there. And uh, you, you put it very well. Karen Harlow's. Is, is not only uh, all those things you say in a staple of the party, but I have heard the case against her, and I don't buy it. It's not groundless, but I don't buy it. And uh, hopefully we'll have uh, Richard Longstreth or Laura Ebke, two LNC members, who have voted in favor of the removal uh, on this show and, and give them a chance to, to justify their votes and make that case. But, Martin, thank you. For, uh, for joining us and in, in coming to her defense. So to the to your run in Georgia, uh, this isn't your first run, correct? That's right. I've been, uh, this is my third time. I ran in 2018, 2020, and uh, again, and now I'm running in 2022. Uh, your viewers may be interested to note that I'm one of the plaintiffs in a lawsuit, which is called Cowan against the Georgia Secretary of State, Cowan and others against the Georgia Secretary of State, including the Libertarian Party of Georgia. And we uh, filed this ballot access lawsuit. Under Georgia law, I'm required to get 22,000 signatures to get on the ballot. And I don't need to tell you that in 2018 and 20, I didn't get those signatures, although I did end up on the ballot. Uh, I got votes, legal votes, because I, I signed up as a write-in and I actually got some votes. But, you know, we lost that case in the district court. We went to the Court of Appeals and we won and now it went back to the district court and we won. And so I'm really excited. The, the judge hasn't decided what the remedy is going to be. Uh, the remedy that we have asked for is to completely eliminate the signature requirement, which would mean that I, will, I would actually appear on the ballot in 2022 if I do the other things which are required, such as pay the money, which is not small change. It's like $5,200, uh, $5,200 which I've done twice before, so I'm, I can I tell you I'll do it again. Um, so we won the lawsuit and we're waiting for the result. And if it's no signatures, I'll be on the ballot. If it's 100 signatures, I'll be on the ballot. If it's anything less than 800 signatures, I'll probably be on the ballot.
But I can promise you, any, anybody in politics knows collecting those signatures is a miserable, miserable process. <laughs> uh, so, you know, unless, unless you learn to enjoy it. There's a slog, but you can enjoy talking to people and enjoy the rejection of being that guy with the clipboard because government made you stand there that everybody is annoyed with. But uh, there's there's something about the persistence of you doing this that, that, that I think is really admirable because there are a lot of libertarians who have this experience and don't see the longer game, that don't see the value in running again and reaching your district again. Uh, it's, it's it's almost a lawyerly methodology and patience with which you are approaching this now, seeing it as a longer term struggle. Uh, let's see, what is it? Well, we'll come back to that question. Um, but but Martin, is is there something that you would say uh, you have figured out that is unique as a libertarian candidate in persisting in in, in a particular congressional race and persist, persist, persisting? against ballot access access issues that, that might be some wisdom of insight worth sharing with other candidates? Well, you know, before I started my process, I wrote a book uh, called Fabian Libertarianism, 100 Years of Freedom. And one of the big ideas in the book is that this process is going to take time. We can't, it's not going to be one week, one month, one year, two years, or 10 years. We have to be in it for the long haul. And I'm talking decades. Um, and so, you know, the, my book, Fabian Libertarianism, 100 Years to Freedom, focuses on that issue, that we've got to communicate to our colleagues in the Libertarian Party that this isn't going to happen overnight. Just as an example, I had a colleague who ran with me in the Senate. He was running for another office, but we were collecting signatures together. And um, I don't want to speak for him, but he I, I think he got burned out because he had the same problem I did where, you know, it's going door to door. It's painful. We only get we're out for three hours and we get, you know, 15 signatures each. Um, and he thought it was going to be so much more quick, uh, happen more quickly. And I, I try to say, no, no, it's not going to happen quickly. And, and so he's not really involved anymore. I think we have to learn to pace ourselves or be prepared like I am, you know, to keep tr job, you know, keep going and going and going. Uh, but we need to know it's going to take decades, honestly, decades. Yeah. Um, that's why the subtitle of my book is 100 Years to Freedom. Uh, that's great wisdom. And I am 100% with you on the larger patience for the cause and what it takes for humanity to make the shift that, that we envision of really embracing uh, a, a solid system of ethics that might lead them to libertarianism. But... Uh, and, and I, I, what backs me up in that and giving me that patience is knowing that uh, I, I can always reach one person and that will always make it worthwhile. And as an LP candidate, as an activist, as a podcaster, I know that there's a certain satisfaction that I'm always pulling in the right direction. You can always bring one more person over. I might not share your patience for the procedure, sir. But that being said, I, I still admire it. So what is, what is your offer now to to the people of Georgia's 13th Congressional District? And, and has it changed over three cycles? No, it hasn't changed. And one of the big issues for me uh, is, you know, the government, the federal government has only two jobs. One is corporate welfare and the other is warfare. And everything, everything the federal government can, does can be reduced to those two things. And if you want to be completely honest, warfare can be reduced to corporate welfare, right? Because the only reason for the 
you know, the 170 people, uh, countries where we're occupied and you know, have soldiers in right now. The only reason for that is, you know, to support the military industrial complex. So, you know, our federal government uh, is a miserable institution. And the only thing that I would even leave behind in a libertarian utopia would be uh, a, a national defense. Um, but the, the problem is, is that it's a communication problem. And you're doing, you know, a yeoman's job in, in, in the communications problem. Well, hold on, Martin. Hold on, Martin. You know, as, as much as I, I, I can respect your differentiation on wanting to uh, collectivize defense, wouldn't you agree that in a libertarian utopia, there would be no need for such a libertarian defense because we would live in such an, in, an enlightened, peaceful world? Is that not part of your vision as well? You know, uh, perhaps, I, I, but I always say when people raise the question of are we going to have an, uh, an anarchy, I say, well, I'll argue with that about you in a hundred years. When we get close, when we get close about to that, I will argue about that. Now it's not, it's not, it's, it's. Well, let's, let's start, let's start with localization. We can get rid of the whole, we can make your national defense exist at the county level for all I care. All right. Uh, healthy disrespect for authority had also this question uh, back on screen. What would you say is the biggest challenge in Georgia to the libertarian government or to libertarian government? I, uh, uh, the worst policies that to overturn. So what would be your priorities in Georgia to lessen the viciousness or the negative impact of the state? Well, it's a, you know, it's, it's not a federal question. He's asking me or she's asking me a federal, a non-federal question. Um, Shane Hazel, who's running for governor here in Georgia, uh, is going to do the state stuff. I'm doing the national stuff. And my, and I mentioned that my highest priority is reducing the war footing of the United States. Um, in Georgia, I, I'm pr actually pretty proud of Georgia. I mean, we were not the number one state in terms of dealing with COVID, you know, not inflicting uh, freedom costs in, in Georgia because of COVID. We were maybe the third state. I mean, Florida is clearly the best in terms of not stepping on people's feet, toes. Uh, South Dakota might be a really good one. But Georgia has done a really good job in not being too um, oppressive. So. I'm, I'm really proud of uh, what Georgia has done when lo looked at from the standpoint of the entire 50 states. Um, you know, so, you know, I'm more, I'm, I'm, I don't have a particular plan for the, the state or dealing with state issues. Okay, well, let, me, let me rephrase it then to serve your, your uh, campaign here, your platform as a representative of Georgia, what would be your priority for changing federal legislation? Well, you know, on my, on my website, calendarforcongress.com, I have nine things that I list, and I'm not going to list them here because we don't have enough time. But I, 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 let me list the, you know, the one that I always find very interesting, and that is the student loan. That's a real popular subject now. Let's talk about what are we going to do? Cancel the student loans, okay? That's, I'm not in favor of canceling the student loans. I have a subtler uh, solution. I think the, the entire program was a fraud. You know, it's a total fraud on the children to say, you know, let borrow $100,000 and, you know, you can pay it back in taxes or, and, and loan payments over the years. Tie entire fraud. But my solution is not to just abolish the debt. My solution is to do away with the bankruptcy protection for those loans. You know, a student who has $100,000 debt and working at Starbucks and can't possibly pay the debt can't file for bankruptcy. 
I mean, the, the, it can, but you know, the, the, the loans are protected highly. Uh, so what I would do is make a, a, a student loan, just a bankrupt loan, just like a, a medical debt or a credit card debt or whatever, whatever debt in federal bankruptcy could be discharged, make it that way. And then you could have one an individualized basis to decide, should this person be discharged from bankruptcy in his loan? So I think that's a, that's a, a nuanced solution to the problem. Uh, the other big problem, and this this does apply to the states as well, that I'm very, very concerned about is is uh, um, med medical medical situation. I'd like to see a free market in the med medical system, and of course we have nothing close, nothing even close to a, a free market in medicine. For example, just as you talked about COVID earlier today, you know, we, there would been we wouldn't have had a pandemic if we had free market medical. Um, people worried about the hospitals being uh, stoked up with patients. You know, the, the thing the free market loves is a, a, a spike in demand. And then people, entrepreneurs come to the spike in demand for, in, in this case, for medical services and create services. We would have had thousands of hospital beds pop up overnight if it were a legal thing to do. Uh, in Georgia, we have something called uh, certificate of need laws. And so you can't even build a, you know, a medical facility without permission of the state. I mean, it's entirely protected. I mean, to, to think that people that think we have a free medical system or free enterprise in the medical system, they don't know a thing about it. We have nothing, nothing close to a free market medical system. It's totally government run. It's a, it's a nightmare. All right. The website again, cowanforcongress.com. Uh, let's get that on screen, can we? Uh, Martin, thank you so much for joining us. Any final thoughts, sir? Um, I, I greatly appreciate you. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter. I do spend a lot of time there. That's uh, at ML Cowan, at ML Cowan, C-O-W-E-N. And if you care to make a donation, you can go to my Cowan for Congress website and do so there. Thank you, Adam. It's great seeing you again, buddy. Always. Thank you, Martin. All right, let's see how many we can get through in our grab bag in the last few minutes of the show here. A uh, lot of stuff to get to, and I hate to say this again, but we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to postpone Mental Health Monday, and uh, our talk about Biden launching. We're just gonna be Mental Health Tuesday. Biden launching domestic terrorism strategy targeting anti-government ideology, white supremacy, and more. Uh, we're we're gonna get into that and the FBI orchestrating the insurrection. Uh, on January 6th, follow-up stories to that. Let's see, I've got uh, Atlantic City to use sirens to mark 10 p.m. juvenile curfew. Wow. Yeah, Fox 5 New York. Interesting note of the state of affairs, the, the police state of affairs we may find ourselves in right now. Um, let's see, I got uh, all sorts of mental health and, and fun uh stories that we're not going to get to today um skipping ahead ship shake from the sun u.s navy detonates huge 40,000 pound bomb next to its own aircraft carrier triggering triggering earthquake 100 miles away in florida great just because we can good job guys good job yeah. look at our peanut i mean look at our bombs the Western Journal, amazing therapy dog saves life of a woman who was on the verge of jumping off bridge to her death. Like, how did they get this story? Uh, Digby is a labradoodle from the Exeter area of England. 
serves firefighters dealing with trauma, able to extend his services to the general public when on Tuesday night, a woman found herself standing in a precarious position on a bridge over a highway and first responders sending the dog. Yeah. Kind of, this goofy looking furry curly haired dog. Yeah. Pretty hard to kill yourself looking at that face. Yep. Dogs. Is there anything they can't do? Okay. Institute for Justice. Uh, more U.S. private vault renters step forward to fight FBI's efforts to steal over $85 million using civil forfeiture. These owners have not been charged with any crime, but the government is trying to permanently take their most prized possessions without telling them why. Yeah. Yeah. One more reason not to keep shit in banks. And now one more reason not to call the cops. And you can watch this. I would not watch it, but the freethoughtproject.com, good to them for bringing us this story. Cop knocks on man's door, kills his dog, then kills the man for being angry. Yep. Your tax dollars at work. Yep. Another crazy story from the Washington Post at sfgate.com. Ex-lawmaker insisted her sister-in-law was murdered in burned trailer. Now she's been killed at the same site. I don't know if this is the story we're going to see as like the next Tiger King miniseries or something, but this is crazy. House Education Committee member Ashley Henley, Republican from South Haven, former teacher in Mississippi, uh, said her sister-in-law was uh, murdered and then burned, and she was tied up this property as a shrine, and then she was shot in the back of the head. Wow. I, what? I hope we'll come, we'll come back to this one. Yeah. Speaking of coming back to stories... St. Louis Dispatch, stltoday.com. St. Louis gun-waving couple plead guilty to misdemeanor charges. This is Patrick and Mark McCloskey. You remember Ken and Karen with the guns and the uh, very poor trigger control and, and barrel discipline. Uh, what is it? Plead guilty to misdemeanors and give up their weapons. Yeah, man. So fourth-degree assault. Now, like, there's so much, like, there should be punishment for someone who improperly defends their property with a firearm by creating even just flat muzzle flashing, threatening liability for people. But it should be a slap on the wrist. It should be a sorry to my victims. Here's a few hundred dollars. Sorry. I caused you emotional turmoil and threatened you inappropriately done, you know, in some social standard of that instead, $750 fine fourth degree assault class. And it's not assault. It is assault. It's not assault. Like you want to, like it, th this is where government just loses credibility with all legal system. Like you're using words, like no, uh, class C misdemeanor. Patricia McCloskey must pay two thousand dollar fine, second degree harassment. Um, could have faced fifteen days in jail. I Patricia could have faced a year. Of course, yes, they're not going to get jail time. But like. The government comes and threatens them with jail time and legal bull and giving up their weapons. Like mm. if like and, and I have no I have no problem with society telling them one way or another through voluntary means, hey, if you're gonna own guns, you gotta do it properly. If you're gonna own guns, you gotta go to a class. Can't do this again. You gotta know where the lines are. Um, Vietnam, this is from Reuters, Vietnam introduces nationwide code of conduct for social media. 
Social media users are encouraged to promote the beauty of Vietnam scenery. Because we needed a law to tell people that. People and culture and spread good stories about good people. Oh, but also, also, they should uh, not say things bad about their government. We're just, we're just going to sneak that in, you know. Yeah, sure. Uh, bombshell report from Vice. Bombshell report finds phone network encryption was deliberately weakened. A new paper shows that two old encryption algorithms still used in mobile networks can be exploited to spy on phones, internet traffic. Yeah, one more reason to believe that none of your digital communications are secure. From New Zealand Herald, Tokyo Olympics, Kiwi weightlifter Laurel Hubbard to be first transgender athlete to compete at the Games. And a lot of muscle tone you got there. A lot of masculine facial features you got there. Uh, But yes, nonetheless, Kiwi weightlifter Laurel Hubbard will make history at the Tokyo Olympics by becoming the first transgender transgender athlete to compete at the Games. Okay, that's happening, just so you know. Wall Street Journal, American Airlines cuts some flights to avoid potential strains. A lot of interesting stuff intersecting with that story. UN warns of cascade of human rights setbacks in our lifetimes. Nice to see that finally acknowledged. Um, And finally, Joe Exotic, TMZ.com. Joe Exotic launching his own cannabis line. Fuck out of here. Straight from the joint. Yeah, all right. Well, I'll smoke to that. Uh, Wait, didn't they say what was the strain? Um, The Tiger King. It's Joe Exotic Cannabis. Yeah, why why not brand that while you're in jail? I thought I thought he'd have I his own brand. For this, and I want to like, but I can't. Like, good good for you. Well, I but think I think he's missing the opportunity yeah. to have his own brand of meat. Wasn't that w- way more relevant to the Tiger King story? Oh, Dudes weed. with missing teeth. Why is he selling weed? Money. All right, Jim, give us the producer notes. What's going on? A little bit slow there, real quick. 60 seconds. T.me forward slash Adam versus the man. That's the public telegram channel where you can find everything. Patreon.com forward slash Adam versus the man is where you can sign up to support the show. Instagram.com is at the garden. <clears throat> excuse me. At the garden of freedom is the handle for the Instagram page. The crypto6.com is the best place to go to support those guys. Rated in the Bitcoin Church up in Keene, New Hampshire, and GoGreenEnergyOnline.com is where we send everybody that's interested in learning more about solar power, micro wind power, and zero energy homes. Do it yourselfers. Go to GoGreenEnergyOnline.com. Have a beautiful day, everybody. All right. Thank you very much, Jim. All right, I got to refresh so I can see my clock. For some reason, StreamYard is freezing my screen a lot today. So, to GoodNewsNetwork.org for this day in history. It was on the day in 1749, Halifax, Nova Scotia, was founded. That's good news, I suppose. Although, bad news from 1788. Can you imagine what bad news we had in 1788, considering we were the United States, at least in the midst of a constitutional coup? For some reason, goodnewsnetwork.org seems confused about this one. On this day in 1788, the first constitution of its kind in human history was established as the supreme law of the United States when New Hampshire became the ninth state to ratify it after it was drafted one year earlier in Philadelphia. Actually, this was, this was a major step back for humanity. 
major, major first uh, constitution of its kind that outlined laid out uh, the, the the illegitimate power to for, force a central bank on a country, a, a military monopoly. All right, I need some good news. Uh, on this day in 2004, Spaceship One became the first privately funded spacecraft to achieve spaceflight. Oh, and on this day in 2015, the first International Yoga Day was celebrated, yet led by the yoga-loving Indian Prime Minister, Narendra Modi. Absolutely good news. And with that, mwah, peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other. Thank <laughs> you.